coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Monday to you. Didn't realize this until actually a conservative friend of mine reached out and said, Happy one-year anniversary. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I went and looked back, and I'm like, oh, you know what? This has been a year since we've been on America One Radio. And uh, I want to thank each and every one who has tuned in over the year. And uh, I really want to thank those who took a leap of faith and said, yeah, sure, I'll come on your show, including this young lady, Melita Easters with the Georgia Win List, was the very first guest on the very first show that aired on America One Radio. And I don't know how I convinced you to do it, but I'm grateful that you said, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do this. Thank you. Well, it's a, it was a pleasure then. It's a pleasure to know that you've grown your audience so well in this last year. And um, I appreciate your asking me back to celebrate your one-year anniversary. We just need a birthday cake and a candle. Oh, man. Cake sounds good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, I just made a nice, sweet little iced coffee so that'll give me the taste of sweet and the caffeine at the same time to get us through the show. So you guys have a uh, a big reception coming up, a donor reception with Heather Cox Richardson coming to the Carter Library on October 10th. That is a week from tomorrow. And that's that's pretty exciting stuff. A lot of folks who listen, I'm sure, are Heather Cox Richardson aficionados. They follow her religiously on social media, as I do, and I'm sure you do as well. Well, she is such a master at positioning current headlines within the context of the history she knows so well mm. as a Harvard-educated historian, the author of now six books about American history. And... Um, I'm very much looking forward to both our winless reception for donors at Manuel's Tavern prior to her book talk at the Carter Center um, on the same evening. And during the book talk, I'll be hosting the conversation with her on stage. And um, it's been fun to read an advance copy of her new book, Democracy Awakening, Notes on the State of America. And I feel confident it will um, be debuting soon on the New York Times bestseller list because she has more than 2 million people who follow her Substack column every morning. So with that being said, you have, again, the, the pre-reception that'll be happening at Manuel's Tavern. Uh, still room for folks who want to uh, make a nice donation to the Georgia Win List to uh, hobnob it a little bit beforehand? It'd have to be real nice because we <laughs> sold out nice. almost immediately. Um, in fact, all of Heather's events at the first part of her book tour sold out all across the country in every venue the first week they were announced. I don't know that the Carter Center has ever had an event sell out so quickly. Certainly, mm. Winlist has never had an event sell out so quickly. Mm. Um, it's just a testament to the popularity yep. of her commentary and the loyalty of her very devoted fans. Are you allowed to give us any snippets or tidbits or hints about the book and the contents therein? Well, the book is divided into three sections in a way. Um, one talks about the, the history of, of the country overall leading up to the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Another section is the four years of the Trump presidency and the great... It, it, it's really overwhelming when you look 
through those chapters mm. at how far afield from the ordinary um, way governor, government has been conducted to the extraordinary um, beyond the bounds places he took us as a country. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a section about the things that led up to Roosevelt's New Deal, mm -hmm. but at the same time balanced by what's called movement conservatives. And so Ms. Richardson um, places things, she, she weaves current events and, and history in such a way that it's very, very compelling and really makes you think. And I, I really recommend the book because it's compelling. This sounds like the kind of book that should be introduced in public school curriculum, except for the fact that we can't get books like this introduced in public school curriculum, and the ones that are, are being pulled. This is very true, and that's the sort of thing which the Trump years have made us um, more immune to outrage over. When you because were when you were describing this book, it made me ask, you know, if if we're being hyperbolic today when we talk about how perilously close we are to losing uh, our oh, our no. right our right to vote, our republic, democracy in general, et cetera, and so on. And so, go ahead. You no, were, no, 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 no. We are not. We are in in many ways numbed to accept hmm. the unacceptable, and her book makes it clear why that has happened and how that has happened. But no, we have to all be very, very vigilant because so much of what makes us as a country unique in the world is on the verge of collapse. And we have to be vigilant. Is this going to be an event from the Carter Center, by the way, that will later be streamed or available for folks to watch? Because this sounds like a conversation that I, I would love to have thousands of folks enjoy outside of the Carter Center after the fact, if possible. Well, I don't know what, um, I think the after use is contingent upon Ms. Richardson's um, team sure. as to when and where that can be. But those who didn't get the opportunity to buy a Carter Center ticket before it sold out, can still order their book from Acapella, which mm. is the book-selling partner with the Carter Center for all the events they do there. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to Acapella's order portal um, and order the book to be sent to you, then they will send you a live stream code you can use that evening to watch from the comfort of your own home, oh, maybe nice. with your feet propped up and a beverage in your hand. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. You know, I'm sitting here experiencing FOMO. Really, I'm 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 kind of upset that I I didn't pounce on this when I had the opportunity to. Real estate's well, been so is, funny right now too. Like I don't want to spend a whole lot of money on things that I don't necessarily have to purchase. You, you know, it's just that it's it, it's the life of a realtor. But uh, yeah, so I'm glad that there is that at least option like if i oh, want yeah, to buy the book yeah, the yeah. option of buying the book and and putting it um and watching the live stream is absolutely there through acapella and oh, good and i think it'll be 
a good program. And actually, if you go to acapella and buy the book, um, you can also submit a question. I can't guarantee that hmm. I will ask every question, but um, we're giving people either through the WinList website or the acapella website the opportunity to submit questions to Ms. Richardson that I will review and incorporate into the list of questions we plan to ask her that evening. What a great little nugget. Melita Easter is joining us from the Georgia Win List. Heather Cox Richardson will be speaking at the Carter Center a week from tomorrow and a pre-reception happening before then for the Georgia Win List. And both of those events sold out because it's Heather Cox Richardson for crying out loud. As you're uh, reading this book in preview of uh, emceeing the event, And we're witnessing what we are, both with Trump's uh, numerous court situations and also the GOP primary process. There's real talk about eliminating the debates and going no further because polling just shows that it's a fait accompli. Give me your sense as you're, again, previewing this book and seeing all that's happening. Well, my my sense is that the contrast between re-electing the former now twice impeached and more than 90 times indicted president and the president we have, Joe Biden, who is not really getting appropriate credit for all of the things he did. I'd agree with that. That is a dramatic dramatic um, contrast. And reading the book gives you context for the contrast that in some ways it reminds you of things you had put out of your mind. Because, you know, when you go through a bad experience, it's very easy to push the bad parts down Mm -hmm. and forget about them. And there is a whole lot about the four years of the former president's administration that all of us have pushed down and tried to forget about. And we can't as we approach this next presidential election cycle. We have to remember how close we were on January 6th. Mm -hmm to an actual insurrection. We have to remember that he's actually serious when he suggests that the former um, General Miley should be executed. He really believes some of the things he says, and he would be in a second administration prepared to follow through with those awful things. And, And we are just a few electoral college points away from putting him back in power if present polling is to be believed. You're taking me back to my mental health therapy sessions that I went through for about 16 months after my divorce, you know, where I was also being told, don't push away the things that you don't want to recall. We've got to combat them and we've got to remember them and to improve upon whatever actions took us to that place. It's just fascinating that basically what it sounds like you're saying from, again, witnessing what we're all witnessing and recalling what some of us choose to try not to recall. And then, of course, previewing the book that Heather Cox Richardson will be speaking on uh, next uh, Tuesday. 
that the, the entire nation needs a, a, a dose of mental wellness therapy. Maybe <laughs> I mean, I'm being a little facetious, but kind of not. Well, we've all got one form of PTSD. Mm. Anytime we see him talk on television, right. those of us who are still capable of thinking rationally and who have not had an overdose of Trump Kool-Aid. Mm. That's true. Well, I want to uh, take a quick break. We've got to come back and, and, uh, and catch up on that conversation. i got a few more things I want to talk to you about. In, in the year since so much has gone on since this show started, and you're just the perfect person to reflect on that. We are with Melita Easters with the Georgia Win List, and this is the actual one-year anniversary of the Ron Show on the America One radio app, AmericanRadio.com. And, uh, well, I got the podcast rolling a little bit later, but still, just kind of roll with this if you're listening via podcast on whatever platform you are. Back after this on America One Radio, AmericanRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. with Melita Easters, the Georgia Win List. And of course, I should not fail to mention, she's a regular recurring pundit on the Georgia Gang on uh, Fox 5 WAGA television. It's funny, I was watching uh, last Sunday's show, which I think tapes on Fridays. Is that right? Um, That's true, yes. And uh, and you you had the week off, good for you. Uh, but Martha Zoller, who I, I, I like, I've never met her, but I like her. She's a conservative. I like her. And uh, I think she's usually a pretty reasonable, rational person to have a conversation she, with. She knows how to disagree without being disagreeable. Right. Yeah. One of the few of the conservative pundits who can do that on that show, uh, in my opinion. But uh, nonetheless, I was kind of struck in the conversation about the reality that seems to be that Trump is going to be the nominee. There's, again, this movement on the right to sort of just roll up the, 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 the stage and carpet and call it off and just get to the voting because Trump's going to be the nominee and people should just start dropping out. And I was struck that even she's sort of come around to that that viewpoint. At what point do we just start pointing to the to the folks on the right who we think are otherwise reasonable people and say, guys, get control of your circus. Your clowns are running amok. Well, that that is not a democratic circus. It is a Republican circus. <laughs> true, true. So, you know, not my monkeys, not mm -hmm. my problem. Mm -hmm. But what we have to do as concerned citizens is reach out to and find the common ground with everyone who is even partially undecided, mm -hmm. with everyone who has always been from the middle, and we have to find the common ground with them. And we have to remind people that truly it is the rule of law that is at stake. That sounds nice. It just, I, I, I can't believe, again, it's 2023. We're three years past the Trump presidency. I can't believe we're having to have this conversation with folks that, uh, and, and, and I have to ask this too, in, in your mind, how complicit is the media on not framing this properly, or are they? Or are we? I think the media is complicit, um, absolutely, and um, I I regret that because I'm a former reporter, mm -hmm. um, and and it is sad to see that journalism has not played as strong a role as it should have. Mm -hmm. <coughs> excuse me, in both holding the former president accountable mm. 
and in giving um, giving the proper perspective for judging what's going on. And on that note, it seems as if the media is trying to play the balance game. Well, we're trying to be fair to both sides, but I feel like we're having a conversation about, you know, six plus two equals eight and three plus 12 can't possibly equal eight. But the other side firmly believes that and they're trying to give, you know, balance to both sides of the argument. And you, again, being... That's a great way to look at it. And there is... There are points, more than one, in the book, Democracy Awakening, um, Heather Cox Richardson's brand new book, which has been out for now about a week, um, where she makes that point, that there is a difference between presenting both sides or giving air to things which have no basis in fact or truth. Mm. And I, I can't even be mad at just simply the, the Fox Newses and the Newsmaxes of the world when Meet the Press rolls out its brand new moderator and her very first episode is this exclusive interview with Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> it's NBC News again. NBC brought this guy to us through the Celebrity Apprentice and Morning Joe gave him you know abundant amounts of airtime in the 2016 cycle and sort of gave him some credibility beyond the right-wing bubble. And, and again... You know, I, I, I really want to be excited about, uh, you know, Kristen Welker's, you know, being uh, the, the moderator and host of Meet the Press. And yet her very first episode is an exclusive interview with Donald Trump. Well, the phrase, um, you know, spinning in their grave comes to mind. And I think of of Walter Cronkite or um, David Brinkley and Chet Huntley mm-hmm. or. Eugene Patterson um, and uh, Ralph McGill. And I think that if any of those men um, were alive to, you know, that they have all spun in their graves so much that there's nothing left if they think about modern journalism. I'm barely old enough to remember how uh, I, I can hear how David Brinkley would, would look with the scowl on his face and, and, and look at a Donald Trump and say, sir, are you insane? Uh, yeah, I mean, literally just, and I know that that's uh, editorializing a bit, but we haven't had enough of that, honestly. I can agree with you. Well, so here we are facing, uh, again, what appears to be a rematch. And you spoke uh, in the first segment about uh, President Biden not getting the credit uh, that is owed to him. Let's go back to the media on this a little bit, uh, and and maybe even... American culture on the whole, uh, are, are we dealing with a president who has succeeded, but the first thing anybody wants to talk about it is, is his age? Well, there is that. There's also the old concept of if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. And, and so dysfunction makes for more sellable headlines mm. than a rosy picture. Mm. So when you can sell doom and gloom, it's it's making more money and grabbing more views and grabbing more headlines. And I also think that none of us fully understand how skewed the algorithms are on social media. Mm-hmm. And none of us fully um, grasp the impact of the disinformation, which is 
so well circulated on certain platforms mm -hmm. and the impact of that disinformation on certain categories of voters. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know of friends with older parents who just pull their hair out mm -hmm. about how they can monitor what their parents watch because the views of these older valuable citizens who are now at home more and watching TV more and watching certain um, re certain sources for their news more are not the same people who reared the daughters and sons who are now so concerned about them because they begun to believe the message and not question the messenger. It's almost as if you're watching a science fiction movie and someone's been overtaken by a poltergeist or something along those lines and you don't recognize that person because that person isn't acting the way you remembered them being as you grew up. Very well said. More with Melita Easter's After the Break on The Ron Show, the American One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, wherever you podcast. This, this is The Ron Show on America One Radio. This the first episode of the second year. That's right, it's our anniversary. And uh, I, I honestly did not even realize that until I had a radio friend of mine reach out earlier and say, hey man, congrats on the first year in the books. And, uh, you know, we didn't, there's no bunting hanging up. There's no confetti flying or anything like that. Didn't even, as Melita said, didn't even get a cake, but uh, we'll work on that. Melita Easter is joining us from the Georgia win list. Heather Cox Richardson comes to the Carter Center a week from tomorrow. And that event is sold out. The pre-show mixer that the Georgia win list uh, is, is hosting is also already sold out. But as Melita told us last segment, you can still purchase the book and get a link to watch the live stream of the event at the Carter Center. Remind us how they can do that, if you don't mind. Acapella Bookstore um, has an order portal for books. And once you've ordered your book, then they'll send you the day before the event uh, a code to watch the live stream from the stage of the Carter Center of the conversation Heather and I will have about her book. Looking forward to that. And I'm so going to do that. In fact, as soon as we get off this call, that's what I'm going to do since I, I kind of slept on it and I'm going to be two blocks from the place. So, <laughs> but I'll be watching from two blocks away. So good luck to you on that. So it's been a year since we had you on. You were the very first guest on the very first episode that aired on America One Radio. And I want to thank you again for just taking a chance. I, I don't even know if you even were concerned about like, I'm gonna, I'm getting on with a crackpot or anything like that. And maybe you still are. But uh, I, I just want to thank you for taking that chance. Uh, we're, we're well, it's, it's my pleasure. And it's my pleasure to watch your audience grow and to see you doing something you love so much and be so successful with that endeavor. We were talking uh, in the last half hour about how, how the country is kind of going through or needs to go through perhaps, you know, some sort of mental wellness therapy. And honestly, that's where I arrived at when I launched this show. I needed something that gave me a Monday through Friday template. Since I work in real estate, you know, we're seven days a week working essentially, but off hours and on hours, it's just, it's not a set schedule. And when you come up and you work through the the American workforce, it's Monday through Friday, five days a week, your nine to five schedule. And then when you, your mental clock gets off kilter and I'm, I'm going through a divorce and there's family issues and I've lost loved ones, I was kind of adrift. And so this show was something that Jeremy Brazil on America One Radio said, yeah, if you'd like an hour slot, five to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday, have at it. Let's see what you can do. And I'm so grateful for him giving me that opportunity because, again, I was just a dude coming in off the streets who 
said, yeah, you know, here's my ideology. This is how I feel about things. I think we're aligned in a lot of ways, but, and I also came in with 20 plus years in radio broadcasting, but take a chance. And uh, so I, I'm grateful that he did that as well. And the show has, uh, it's, it's work. Don't get me wrong. It's a labor, but it's a labor of love and something I'm very passionate about. And I'm just grateful for all the folks who have said, yeah, I'll come on your show, not knowing one way or the other what they were getting into. But I do see where Atlanta seems to have this hole that not only uh, America One Radio and, and this show, but others could chime in and join in, by the way, that traditional media seems to be missing. And, and if anything, Malita, I think the Cop City scenario really exacerbates where that hole is. Would, would you agree with that? Oh, I do. And I think um, the entire controversy around the police training facility has been one of sharp contrasts over the past year. And absolutely, there has been a mainstream media avoidance of some of the issues that the activists themselves have brought up. Mm -hmm. And, And I think many media people never thought they could reach the signature threshold, much less exceed it by more than 25,000 signatures. Mm -hmm. And granted, you know, some of those signatures may end up not being valid, but to have that many people willing to scrawl, you know, scrawl a signature on a petition, that's really a significant thing. And, and there are a lot of people who put this um, police training facility protest movement right on par with from four decades ago, the presidential parkway. Mm-hmm. And that presidential parkway protest ushered into the Atlanta political scene a whole host of new advocates and new leadership. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to watch over the coming few years how many of these people who've gathered signatures and made speeches and planned rallies end up actually running for office and and perhaps defeating some of those who stood in their way and failed to listen to their concerns. And, you know, this is not just a battle over trees. It, it does have a big component of environmental issues, though, because the area that they have now clear-cut is the headwaters for a very sensitive river system. Mm-hmm. And also, Following the George Floyd tragedy, there was such an outcry for police training that those who advocate for Cop City are saying, well, but this is what we're offering. Mm -hmm. But they didn't listen to what those who were issuing the call were trying to say. It wasn't police training in the traditional sense they were asking for a police training that is brought up to date and handles mental illness mm-hmm. calls and and is not so violently confrontational. And the police foundation, the mayor, have never fully explained what would happen at this proposed facility and how this proposed facility would answer the concerns brought forward by the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. Well, and not just the Black Lives Matter movement, but uh, I I think of uh, Dom Kelly, uh, an activist who uh, works with those who are are either physically or mentally disabled. When he he was on the show just a few weeks ago and gave us the statistic that 
bears out some some fear here. Like nearly two thirds of those incarcerated have some sort of physical or, or mental health challenge. And what does a a massive new campus do to curtail that from being, you know, uh, such a such an alarming statistic? Well, and you see the same thing happening with the fact that the Fulton County Jail is mm. so overcrowded. Yeah. There are many people who are in the Fulton County Jail for lack of bail money mm-hmm. or because they are mentally disabled and, and have mental illness or they're chronically homeless mm-hmm. and, and the system has failed them. Yep. And when the system fails, the safety net should not be a jail where you might go to die. And there does seem to be this push, and I'm not even going to say it's all on the right, but there does seem to be this push to sort of just hide homelessness and 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 those who are mentally challenged on the streets. And if it means putting them in a jail, then that just makes folks feel comfortable. Does that not? That seems to be a prevailing thought. I hear a lot of this in California when when folks, celebrities who you think are more left of center. Oh, I'm tired of seeing homeless people. Yeah, me too. But I'm I'm not looking to lock them up so that it makes me feel better just because. They're not within sight. Well, the fact that some of our population is homeless is a signal of the vulnerabilities we all have. Mm -hmm. And it's a signal of societal failure. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about um, right now we have this massive issue with the state not doing enough to re-enroll children in the the Medicaid program. Mm-hmm. And you're going to start seeing children who have much more serious health problems or even die because they don't have access to health care. So we, we have to, we can't turn a blind eye to the failings of our society's safety nets. We are with Melita Easters with the Georgia Win List. Uh, I, I, I would be remiss without you know having you on and, and discussing the 2024 cycle. And as we were talking about Cop City, and and I'm I've been pretty vocal about this. My fear is that there's going to be some resentment from the activists on the left when it comes to rallying to help liberals, moderates, and liberals and progressives uh, win seats or retain seats. Do you think that there's any chance that we have some problems with activism on the left going into the election cycle? Well, it depends upon, I think, who the candidates are and how many of those, the the police training facility protest movement has trained a lot of brand new activists. Mm -hmm. Um, It's had people canvassing door to door who'd never canvassed before. Mm So it is up to the candidates who are on the ballot in 2024, whether it's for a city council seat to defeat somebody that that they don't like how they um, voted on on the police training facility or a state legislator who refused to meet with them or um, uh, a, a congressional candidate that turned a blind eye to that many signatures on a petition. Yeah. So if there are candidates who can successfully 
energize the the people behind the signatures on all those pages, we could have a very vigorous election cycle. And and you know, the political bug is is something that once you're bit, you're kind of in it for a while. Mm. And and so I, I think that um it, it it is incumbent upon the candidates who want the votes of this newly energized portion of the electorate. It, it's up to the candidates to to energize and attract this new segment of activists. I've never heard it framed that way. I've been pretty pessimistic, honestly, and that gives me a, a tiny glint of, well, maybe this is something that the folks who will be on the ballot can uh, can use to their advantage. I mean, we don't have John Ossoff on the ballot. Raphael Warnock is not on the ballot. Uh, we do have congressional uh, candidates uh, and, and those who are seeking re-election who this, again, uh, Cop City is more of a, a local issue, but actually there are police training facilities on the docket in a lot of cities and states across the country as well. And uh, I, I, for one, thought, like, f- for example, John Ossoff actually threaded the needle pretty well when he was pressured by, we presume, his his next combatant in 2026 to come up with a position. I thought he threaded the needle pretty well on that. Well, I think I think John Ossoff is, is very good at threading some of these needles. But, you know, the other thing that we need to, to look at, even with this police training facility in Atlanta, and, and nobody's talking about it as much as they should, is at the same time you've got this $90 million facility being proposed for Atlanta, there is a facility of lesser expense, um, I mean, lesser construction cost, but there's still a similar facility being proposed for Fulton County. You have another Metro County proposing a police training facility. Henry. And, and so really is it a wise use of taxpayer dollars overall to have three brand new police training facilities in the Metro Atlanta area? How many days a month or days a year will all of these facilities be standing vacant? Yeah. And the state has a facility that's, I believe, within an hour's drive of all of those uh, municipalities and counties as well. I, you're right. I've, I've been saying this for a few weeks now. I don't understand why the city of Atlanta, to me, this is like, that's the, the off-ramp out of this controversy. Why doesn't the city work with Fulton County to come up with a joint facility within Fulton County and city limits that's not on an environmentally uh, impacted parcel of land? It just seems like the obvious solution that would save money. Fiscal conservatives would be all over this. Well, fiscal conservatives are often physically conservative only when it suits them. True to One more segment. Let's talk some women's issues because you are, of course, with the Georgia Win List and uh, cannot let you be on the show without talking about the new senator that's coming to the uh, U.S. Senate and uh, the slate of candidates that are ramping up for 2024. We are with Melita Easters with the Georgia Win List. Back after this on The Ron Show, the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Final segment of The Ron Show, the very first episode of year two of The Ron Show. Happy anniversary to the show, and I want to thank again America One Radio for giving us this time slot whenever you're listening. And of course, uh, if you listen via podcast, you're always welcome to catch this show first things first, 5 to 6 p.m. weekdays on America One Radio, the app at America One Radio, which you can get on the iTunes store, the Google Play Market, or at AmericaOneRadio.com. My guest today was my first guest a year ago on this day, as a matter of fact, Melita Easters with the Georgia Win List. And the Georgia Win List is an organization that pioneers and champions women in leadership and electing more women to leadership roles. So I would be remiss without asking you 
Your thoughts on Gavin Newsom elevating LaFonza Butler to replace Dianne Feinstein in the U.S. Senate. Oh, and of course, some some thoughts on Dianne Feinstein and, and, and her career. Senator Feinstein, who, of course, started on the board of aldermen for the city of San Francisco, and as she once reminded of colleague who was challenging her knowledge of guns, um, she literally had her finger in the bullet hole trying to save Harvey Milk's life when when he was assassinated. And she rose to lead the city of San Francisco with great wisdom and preside over a time of healing and then a resurgence and growth. You know, it's it's easy to only think of her in her frail medical condition these past two years. Mm. But she was one knowledgeable, tough cookie when she chaired the Senate Judiciary Committee, when she chaired the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. She was a great, respected leader who inspired many young women to follow in her footsteps and seek office at many levels of government, local government, state, national. Um, So she will be missed, and her record and example as a um, trailblazer will be long remembered. The appointment Newsom made, it solved the promise he made to appoint a Black woman. And certainly, she is an excellent choice. She's been a labor leader. She has been the CEO, president of EMILY's List, Mm -hmm. which is the national PAC that WinList was inspired to follow with a state-level mission. Mm -hmm. And so she will be a great champion for women. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. She's in her mid-40s. Will she run for this Senate seat now that she's been appointed to it? Or is the fact that Representative Schiff has $30 million in the bank for his Senate campaign, mm. Katie Porter has $10 million in the bank for her campaign for the same seat, and then Barbara Lee has about $2 million in the bank for the same campaign. Is it too late for her to, to campaign? But she will be a great voice for women and for reproductive freedom as she serves the citizens of California. But moving to 2024, let me just um, remind your listeners that they can learn more about Georgia Winlist at www.gawinlist.com. There's information there about the Heather Cox Richardson um, event Mm -hmm. we just um, have been talking about. But there's also information about the 49 currently serving winlist endorsed women who serve in the Georgia General Assembly. You can click on a photo of any one of them and read their bio and the kinds of legislation they promote. And by the way, many have been on this show, and I want to thank them for that as well. And then um, the the other thing you can learn about is beginning about mid-November, we will start recruiting for our WIN Leadership Academy, the, the signature training program that we do, which is a, a year-long program that um, started about um, 12 years ago. Um, and, and among the members of our first class were Lindy Miller, now Congresswoman Nakima Williams, nice. and... Former Senator Jen Jordan, who is the Democratic nominee for um, Attorney General in the 2022 election cycle. We've trained 
um, several hundred women in this program. Many of them now serve in the Georgia General Assembly, and we always look forward to continuing to train women, whether they're running for the State House or Senate, or they're running for a local office that will later be a stepping stone for state or national service. And with the potential for a new congressional map, there are opportunities that may present themselves at the federal level, uh, the, the state uh, legislative well, level. Well, absolutely. And it's not just, and, and what happens, I call it a fruit basket turnover year. Mm-hmm. When you redraw the maps and all of a sudden people decide to run for Congress, then the, the offices that they have been serving in become vacant as well. Right. And I really think that Judge Jones has indicated he very well may call for new maps that would affect the upper um, northern suburbs, mm-hmm. perhaps one place in the southern suburbs and maybe over in the Augusta area for the potential of three Senate seats and four to six House seats plus one congressional seat. So if, uh, and and I think earlier, um, most of most people were saying, oh, there's not going to be a special session. And there still might not be a special session because the Republicans have the votes. And, and I've heard from some people that the maps are already there. It's just they might be able to just delay a special session and come in and and pass the maps in the first few days of the 2024 session mm. if they're so ordered. And then the other the other question about whether maps are ordered is whether the state would um, appeal any any ruling by um, Judge Jones right. and th- just as as Alabama did. You know, what Alabama did was they basically drew what I call a middle finger map that did not um, respond to the concerns of the U.S. Supreme Court and submitted it back. And and then they were swatted down. I would hope that Georgia's legal establishment will not stand for Georgia thumbing their nose at the Supreme Court in needless appeals. Yeah, let's just do the right thing and and give the kind of map that should have been drawn to begin with. Instead of running out the clock before it's too late as the next cycle comes up. No, I agree a thousand percent. Also, it's important. I think we've learned this, especially in Cobb County. It's important to get uh, sane, smart folks elected to school boards and county commissions as well. So don't forget. Absolutely, those. and some of those school board races. Yeah are on the ballot this fall. And and school boards, I like to say that school boards are the perfect starting point Mm -hmm. for a woman who's interested in politics. You can run for a school board seat while your children are young and in school and have a direct impact on the future of your family by seeing that your children get the best possible education and that your tax dollars are, are spent wisely. And then... As your children get older and don't need you underfoot as much, you can run for something like the General Assembly, which requires you to be away from home more. And there are a number of women in the General Assembly who started their um, legis- their, their political career, so to speak, at the school board or city council level before they ended up um, running later for the Georgia General Assembly. 
Melita Easters with the Georgia Winlist at gawinlist.com. Again, the Heather Cox Richardson event sold out. Can't see her at the Carter Center, but you can buy the book. We'll put that in the show notes today at ronchoetl.com, how you can do that. Uh, the, the mixer beforehand, of course, benefiting the Georgia Winlist. Congratulations on that, and best of luck a, a week from tomorrow night as you host the event at the Carter Center, which I'll be watching via live stream because I'm going to go buy her book uh, as soon as we get done with the show. And again, thank you so much for joining me for the uh, first year anniversary of the Ron Show and for being there from day one. I do appreciate that so much. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Ron, and good luck as you continue to grow your audience. Thank you so much. Today's show notes will include the acapella books link so that you can purchase Heather Cox Richardson's latest book, Democracy Awakening, Notes on the State of America. My thanks to Melita Easters for the Georgia Windless joining me and to America One Radio for giving us a platform. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. there and wherever you podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day.